At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. A warmer from Elo. Welcome to Love Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Craig Hoops Pierce, and now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you as in segment number two, we are going to be joined by one of our good friends, Tristan Freeman over at Bus and Brackets. ACC play is starting up. That is very, very strange to say, but with that said, we are getting some games within the conference. He does an amazing job covering the Pittsburgh Panthers and so many other teams over there at Bus and Brackets. We're going to be joined by him in segment number two. Get a little bit of a, shall we say, progress report on the ACC. Take a look at the good, the bad, the ugly. Take a look at some of these games. They're going to be coming up in the next few days as well, including what I think is going to be a very fascinating one that is going to be going out there for Fridays. I do think that we've got one that must be starred in the final segment. Going to give you guys picks and analysis. And every game on the betting board for this college basketball Friday as we had some bank shots. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have two, one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GNN underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters M. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really didn't get in a lot of Twitter questions today, but we did have a great day of college basketball on Thursday and got a few games from Wednesday that I need to clean up as well. So let's take a look at everything that we've got in the last 24-plus hours in college basketball, trying to find some trends and trying to get to know that he seems a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap. A few cleanup games from Wednesday because the Greg Peterson experience. It is now from midnight to 3 Eastern time every Monday through Friday out there on the East Coast, West Coast, 9 to midnight as it pretty much goes from Sunday bleeding into Friday at midnight. But with that said, our nation's first president, George Washington, taking down South Carolina. By kind of 79 to 55, that is sure something as Gigi Jackson had 11 points on 17 shots and looks like it's going to be a bad year for our good friends over there at South Carolina. Notre Dame completely dump trucking Michigan State by kind of 70 to 52. Sit out to me as well as Notre Dame at Cormac Ryan getting it going. 23 points as Notre Dame, they did a solid job holding Michigan State to 4 of 12 three-point shooting and he combined 14 turnovers 
in this game between the two teams, but for Michigan State, they just couldn't can shots. In Notre Dame, they went 11 of 26 from three with Cormac Ryan going 6 of 7 from distance. We had Indiana taking down UNC 77 to 65 as UNC. We're going to talk about this a little bit more with our good friend Tristan Freeman. Not looking great to begin the season, and I've got to get his thoughts on this as Armando Baycott along with Pete Nance, a combined 27 points and 22 rebounds, but you know, say Pete Nance go 1 of 7 from 3 and for Indiana. Feels like Xavier Johnson has done a nice job of being able to throttle down and just be efficient. 20 points, 2 turnovers, 8 rebounds out of him. Trace Jackson Davis, 4 blocks, 21 points, 10 rebounds, 0 turnovers. Very clean, very good game from Indiana. You also did have Cal Baptist being able to take down UC Riverside 65-60. to I'm still not sure why Cal Baptist is playing so slowly, but they were able to get it done in this one as they were able to have Timmy Ogahove be able to give the team 10 rebounds down low and Hunter Griderick off the bench for 21 big points. And then USC, they took down Cal 66-51 and 0-8 and star for Cal. And got to be wondering when that first win is going to be coming on the schedule for Cal as, I mean, moving forward, it's not going to be very, very easy with a lot of these conference games. they got an Eastern Washington bunch that hasn't necessarily looked so great, but they've got Butler, Santa Clara, UT Arlington, I guess, is one that you've got to start for a win. It might be a three-win season for Cal at this point as they shot 27% from the floor. And for USC, you got Joshua Morgan, give the team 14 points, 7 rebounds, and for Cal... They only turned the ball over eight times. They had Devin Askew go off for 23 points, but nobody else helped him out. So that was not great. And also, Hawaii lost as a double-figure favor for all of you guys that actually were able to bet this game against Texas A&M Commerce by a count of 53-51. to 51. Texas A&M Commerce wins on the island despite going 4 of 28 from three-point range because Hawaii went 5 of 27 from three-point range, and you're going to notice that sometimes with the Hawaii games, because sometimes they list it on, like, the next day's board and everything like that, it's hard to actually be able to bet those games, and you saw it in the case of a lot of the Vegas books. They didn't even offer the game, so it's quite strange. Taking a look at the games that we got on Thursday, the DK Nation slide is finally over, and boy, they didn't make it easy. 72-67, to Texas gets it done, the under comes through, and hey, Creighton was able to cover the number as well as... Yeah, and I believe it was like 15 points scored in the final minute to make me sweat this one out. But Creighton goes 4 of 27 from three-point range. Baylor Shireman went 3 of 13 from three-point range. Rest of the team, 1 of 14 from distance. So Ryan Kalkbrenner, 20 points and 13 rebounds was rock solid. Texas went a super cold 4 of 19 from three-point range with Marcus Carr being able to deliver 19 points, 5 boards, 5 assists. And for Texas, 3 turnovers in this game and... Creighton against a Texas team that has been great at being able to generate turnovers, just eight. So, very fascinating one there. If you had the under in this one, thoughts and prayers to Youngstown State and Northern Kentucky. This game goes to double overtime to toast that under 77 to 73 in double OT. You have the Norths be able to get it done. This game was 65 to 65 going into the second overtime with a total of 140. So, boy, that was rough as you had a Malik Green. Deliver 21 points, 15 rebounds for Youngstown State. And Marquise Warwick, another big game for Northern Kentucky. He had 30 points. And this is a second straight game for Northern Kentucky playing a double overtime. Previous game was against Tennessee Tech. And in that game, you saw against Tennessee Tech, Mr. Warwick just completely explode for 45 points. You saw UConn be able to get it done against Oklahoma State, 74-64. 
Took this one overnight. You might have been able to get a push on Oklahoma State, but UConn, they covered the closing number as they were able to get 26 big points out of Jalen Hawkins. And then Andre 3000 Jackson, 11 points, 7 boards, 6 assists, 3 steals. He looked solid as Oklahoma State lost the turnover battle 17-7 and they committed 14 first half fouls. They did have Musa Cisse give the team 10 rebounds down low, but as many points as myself. And for UConn, 8 of 23 from three point range with Hawkins going 5 of 9 from distance. Delaware, they were one of the bad beats of the night as well. Up 11 points with less than 4.15 remaining, and they lose 74 to 67 against Cornell. I mean, this is just really, really bad as Delaware in the back half of this game, they got outscored by a count of. I believe it was 20-2 to to end the game. So, yeah, as you have Cornell go 10 of 28 from three-point range. Meanwhile, E.B. Asamoah for Delaware. He goes 4 of 9 from three. The rest of the team, then go a smoldering cold 4 of 18 from three-point range. And for Cornell, hole was greater than the sum of its parts as they were able to get 21 points off the bench. Despite the fact that they lost the rebound 33-30, to they were able to force Delaware into 18 turnovers with Jameer Nelson Jr., committing seven of them. So that was not great for our good friends, the Blue Ends. Monte Mary's on the road. They get a nice outright win, 73-58. to That's a little bit of an underdog. You also saw Cleveland State take it to Oakland by kind of 80-64. to Oakland entered the night dead last in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, and Cleveland State gets 80 points despite shooting 5 of 22 from three-point range as Oakland just continues to be sad and pathetic on defense. They gave up 26, kind of 26, Offensive rebounds to Cleveland State. Cleveland State does not necessarily have a bunch of seven-footers that are monsters of the midway down low, but, boy, not great there. This was pretty solid for Detroit, though. They go on the road, and they knock off the Fort Wayne Macedons by kind of 75-66. to Antoine Davis, 22 points on 24 shots. Not efficient, but Gerald Liddell, who began his career at Texas, he makes his season debut 16-16 and for him. 16 points, 16 rebounds, and for Fort Wayne, 20 turnovers. That doomed them along with 5 of 23 three-point shooting for a Fort Wayne team that they truly do live or die by the three-point shot. Mississippi Valley State has been very good to the under thus far this season, and they played another one against Arkansas State. 58-38, to this rock fight goes away of Arkansas State as Arkansas State shot over 50% from the floor in what was a very sad eyesore of a game for Mississippi Valley State. Actually, we're able to do a solid job on the offensive glass as they got 10 offensive rebounds, but nobody can throw the ball in the basket other than Terry Collins, who was able to deliver 12 points. The other four starters combined for 9 points for Mississippi Valley State. Not too terrific there, but this was solved for Belmont. 76-64. They're able to get the job done against Valparaiso as the old beacons had Ben Cricky be able to deliver 18 points for the team, but for Belmont, 15 of 34 from three-point range. Jan Freiburg, he goes 6 of 11 from deep. He was able to deliver 20 points, so Belmont, they're able to get it done. I do have to record this a little bit earlier, so we got a few games in progress as only say to Murray State is currently in overtime. That's a hold-on-to-your-butts game, and for Arizona, they were down at the half against Utah by a count of 42 to 25. Seems like they're getting throttled down a little bit, and for Arizona, you knew that there was going to be a little bit of regression from them shooting 60% from the floor to begin the game, but with about 12 minutes remaining, they went 2 of 16 from three-point range, and Utah did a good job of turning them over in the first half, as you've had Carlton Sins squared in the two Carlsons for Utah. 
give the team 24 points in the first 28 minutes of the affair. Colorado, they were able to have a nice double-figure lead at the half over Arizona State, an Arizona State team that just been a little bit all over the place thus far. And Arizona State started one of 17 from three-point range. Yeah, that is not too terrific. So we shall see how some of those results turn out. And if you're taking a look at just the trends of college basketball, we have been seeing a little bit of an undertrend. If you take a look at the last seven days, it's been 178 unders to 160 overs. So 52.7% of games over the last seven days have gone under the total. And underdogs, they've been able to have a relatively good run of things to begin the season. But over the last seven days, it's been all about the favorites. Favorites, 179, 154, and 7 against the spread in this span. Now, obviously, we do have quite a few games that are still remaining to be played on this Thursday as I record this, but yeah, they have been able to pick it up quite a bit. And overall for the season, underdogs, nearly a 50-50 split with favorites as a result. 591, 587, and 21 against the spread are underdogs overall for the season. The true underdogs that you want to be backing are home underdogs for the season. 162, 129, and 6 against the spread. And for the season, we've seen about a 51.2% under rate, 607 unders, 578 overs, and you've got thrown in there somewhere in the neighborhood of like 15 or so pushes as well. So that's what we're seeing in college basketball right now, and that's what we all got on Thursday. Now let's turn the page forward to what we're going to be seeing in ACC play, and to do that, we welcome on our good friend Tristan Freeman of Bus and Brackets to talk about that, the hierarchy of the conference, and so much more next. Right here on Coast Seats with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of DC Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. And we're back to the Lovey Las Vegas for Coach Gutsy with myself, Greg Gutsy, and now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And it's always great to be joined by this guest as we've got Tristan Freeman aboard. He does amazing work over there at Bustin' Brackets taking a look at the game of college basketball. For those of you guys that like the city of Pittsburgh and their athletics along with their basketball teams, he does a great job on that front as well. But really taking a look at the entire scope of college basketball, this man is an ace, and you are able to follow him on Twitter at Hoopsa351 all together. And Tristan, it is always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate having me on, especially considering this was finally a good week for the ACC. Yes, it certainly was. It's been a little bit volatile with, I mean, I'll call it what it is, darn near all of these conferences and North Carolina's tickets of losses, not necessarily looking too tremendous for them. But what have you made out of the ACC this season? Because, I mean, it's very clear that we've got some slugs out there. We're looking at you, Louisville. We're looking at you, Florida State. We're looking at you, Georgia Tech. But in terms of the middle of the ACC, there's been quite a few teams that have shown a little bit of promise, like a Wake Forest, who we'll see on Friday. I think that how we'll determine how good the ACC is going to be through the four through eight spots. And those teams did well. Wake Forest got a nice win. Notre Dame thrashed Michigan State up and down. Clemson, now that P.J. Hall looks to be close to 100%. They got themselves a nice game against Penn State. And it was a solid group overall. Even Miami still don't have Nigel Pack going, but Jordan Miller in North Chatomir has been good. Virginia Tech's been fine as well. So overall, if you ignore the bottom two teams of the league at the ACC, it's been a solid start for them. What have you made out of the top teams in Duke along with North Carolina? Because both of these teams did take a few losses over there in Portland. And with Duke, they were able to get up off the mat. They were able to get a nice win against Ohio State. North Carolina, certainly a tougher task. Going on the road to Assembly Hall is not easy, but it looked far from terrific in that one. And I do think that with Duke, they're a little bit of a work in progress right now. But I like the pieces that for North Carolina, I think that we're starting to see signs on the wall that, yeah, the national title run, it was terrific. And this team has a high ceiling. But at the same time, I do think that they came into the year a little bit overhyped by many people. And I will be someone who raises my hand, including myself, coming into the season based on that run. Well, look, on paper, North Carolina has some of the most talent in the country. So I think for those of us, and myself included, who picked them number one, it's not really shameful. The issue is they just haven't looked as hungry. The problem was when they got punched in the mouth early on last year, they folded. So far, that's coming because they kind of don't look the same when it comes to desire. Baycott's been regular as a forward and guards, Kim Love and RJ Davis. The tough shots that were hitting in March just aren't falling this time around. And that certainly limits their ceiling, especially when, you know, you, you know you're not going to get a lot of production out of Leaky Black and Pete Nance has sort of been off and on as Brady Manning's replacement. So it could be a case where they're more so a top 20 the 25 team at best than they are being the top three. I think the loss to North Carolina, uh, the Indiana alone isn't, you know, an issue because I think the Hoosiers are really good. But the fact that you had the week before 
losing to Iowa State and Alabama, that makes it concerning. I think it's safe to say that they're not going to run through the ACC without several losses, and they definitely shouldn't be the favorites so far. As for Duke, they're a team that's still growing. You know, Lively and Whitehead is still getting things going, and you know, with Jeremy Roach, he's going to be off and on. It's put, And the team's going to go as he goes. So I think Duke's a team that still has a high ceiling, but they definitely have a low floor. And right now, you have to give the, the nod in terms of the favorite to win the league, Virginia, because they've, they've passed every test, including a road win over Michigan that is certainly impressive for them because that was a game where the Wolverines played fairly well, but the Cavaliers just showed their poise and was able to hold on. Yep, when it comes to Duke, certainly having Roach back in fold is big for them. And as Derek Whitehead gets a little bit more acclimated to the offense, I think that that is going to be important for them as well. So we shall see how they're going to be able to do moving forward as joining me on the podcast. We do have Tristan Freeman, who does terrific work over at Bus and Brackets. And Tristan, I mentioned it, we've got ACC play that is going to be starting up. And it's a little bit strange. What do you make out of ACC play here in very, very late November slash early December because I always think that these games just have a little bit of a different dynamic around them. And I do think that it just causes for a little bit of strangeness as teams are trying to figure out their rotations at this time. Yeah, and for teams that have NCAA tournament, you know, hopes, these are games that you're going to want to win. Like Wake Forest at Clemson, that's going to be a good game because if you're Wake Forest, you're sort of hoping you're still in a tournament mix. And then NC State hosts Pittsburgh at home. Like, that's a game that they're going to have to win if they want to avoid a bad loss. These games are definitely, they don't seem important because it's not January, February, but they have an impact. And Syracuse, Notre Dame is another one. It's like, if you're an Irish, you can't take away the Michigan State success with a loss to the Orange. But the Orange, despite, you know, looking putrid against Illinois, are still capable of ca- uh, of causing issues for teams and they can get going offensively. Yep, I do think that that is so important to take a look at as we do have Tristan Freeman over there at Buster Brackets joining me on the podcast. And Tristan, how about if we take a look at the game that is going to be involving a team that you take quite a bit of a look at? That would be Pittsburgh. They're going to be playing against NC State, and with NC State, they're going to be quite a bit of a favorite in this spot. Right now, I'm seeing them in a lot of places more around a nine-point favorite, but with Pittsburgh, I do like what I've seen a little bit more out of them recently, no question about it. That Northwestern win was good. Now, I think that Northwestern is not quite the team that NC State is, but I think that this is such an interesting battle because with NC State, they don't necessarily have a ton of depth, but they've got a lot of frontline talent. Meanwhile, for Pittsburgh, it feels like they've just been looking to find their identity in the backcourt because they do have quite a few moving pieces, including guy Nike Sabandi, who was out all of last season. So I think that's a fascinating matchup for a Pittsburgh team that now finally has John Hughley healthy, which is something we haven't been able to say for much of the season. You know, Hughley didn't have any points against Northwestern, but they were double and triple teaming him and leaving the guards open. And Pitt last year was one of the worst shooting teams in the country. This year, they have the potential to be good. Greg Elliott's a 40% shooter at Marquette. Blake Henson's arguably been the MVP of the team. Nellie Cummins, the transfer from Colgate, he, he's still getting you know adjusted to the power conference level, but he had a great game against Northwestern. And if Pittsburgh can shoot, 
anywhere near they did Northwestern, they're going to be capable against NC State. Now, the Wolfpack does have a couple of bigs, DJ Burns and Dusan Mahorchik, who don't need to double Hughley. They can guard him one-on-one. That would be something in their favor. But on the other hand, Sarkavian Smith struggled last year in the Wolfpack's loss to the Panthers. So maybe if Jamarius Burton can have another good game on him defensively, that could make this game closer than expected. I do think that that is such a big key for this team. And what else I think is going to be very key as well is seeing if Wake Forest is able to just not get lost in success because I think that their win against Wisconsin was very rock solid for the team. Now they have to go on the road against a Clemson team that they finally are getting P.J. Hall back to 100% and playing 25 minutes against Penn State. I think that that's a very good sign for the team. But what do you make out of this Wake Forest versus Clemson game? Because I think that this is one of the most fascinating on the board because we've seen Clemson look relatively solid to begin the season. They took that loss to South Carolina, but even the loss against Iowa, they were able to do a nice job of clawing their way back in that one. And then the game against Penn State, clawing that game out in double overtime, that's a very good win. While P.J. Hall has been getting you know, back to 100%, Hunter Tyson, starting forward, has been very good for them, averaging 14-9. and nine. And then the big question all offseason was going to be, how is the backcourt going to look replacing three starters? Junior guard Chase Hunter is averaging 15-5 and five for them, and he's clearly become the lead guard. Brevin Galloway, Alex Hemingway have been solid as well. So this is a Clemson team that does have a lot of offensive potential, more, more than expected. And usually Brad Warnell's teams are pretty good. So they could be a team that, that uh, can overachieve, although that South Carolina loss could be very, very bad if, if they are potentially in the at-large position because that's just something. They're, they lost by 25 to George Washington. They're, they're probably going to be the worst in the SEC. And then Wake Forest, Tyree Appleby has been absolutely fantastic. He was a great scorer at Cleveland State, goes to Florida in their system, and hasn't necessarily put up the same kind of production. But so far, he's averaging around, what, 17 and 7 so far. So he's been on a tear. Wake Forest, those teams under Steve Forbes are always going to be offensively potent. So this could be a shootout that we have against them, and it could be the best matchup among all the early ACC games this weekend. I do think so as well. I think that this is going to be really supreme to take a look at. I think that we've got some good matchups overall, and that includes what we're going to be getting on Saturday as well as Saturday out there in the ACC. We're going to be seeing that Boston College Duke game along Syracuse and Notre Dame. So I am very much waiting to see what we get there. And in terms of one of those teams that is going to be playing on Saturday, that'd be Florida State. And they started out one and eight. This was a team that I thought was going to be a top four team in the ACC. Really like what they brought in via the transfer portal. Now one of those guys and Jalen Ganey went out of full. But what do you make out of this? Because with the injuries, with the Baba Miller suspension, I had to temper my expectations a little bit for this Florida State team. I never thought it would get this cataclysmically bad, though. No. And on one hand, the front court issues are definitely a problem because, because there's just the lack of depth and you don't really have a lot of talent in there. So they've had to play Cam Fletcher and small ball lineups, and that just hasn't worked out. But the issue has more been the guards. Matthew Cleveland hasn't taken that next step, at least on a consistent basis. Caleb Mills has been so-so for them, and UCF transfer Darren Green has either been really good or really bad in games. They just don't have enough firepower in their what's now a very short rotation to compete against teams, although should have been able to beat most of the mid-majors, but something just hasn't clicked for them, and maybe it's the fact that they don't really have a star, but they still have enough good players to be better than what they are 
maybe the effort against Purdue, staying with them for 35 minutes, maybe that could be the spark that gets things going. Or it could be the fact that they're going to play one of the worst teams in the country in Louisville, and maybe maybe that will get them going. Oh, my gosh. I mean, we both thought that Louisville was going to be bad coming into the season, but, I mean, man, this is even worse than I thought it was going to be because I thought that Georgia Tech – was going to be the worst team in the conference. Georgia Tech, they're going to be playing against Northeastern. If they don't get that win, that is going to be relatively rough for them. But when it comes down to it for this Georgia Tech team, I actually feel like they're performing halfway decent. But for Louisville, I we were curious to see how the completed or lack of a backcourt was going to go for them. And apparently, you need guards to be able to play in the same age of college basketball. Who knew? But not only that, I think there was a, a big overestimation as to how good the front court players were going to be. Like Sidney Curry, who is the, the top returning forward for them, has done nothing so far this year. You look at Huntley Hatfield, a transfer from Tennessee. He's been okay, but certainly not the former five-star prospect that people thought he was going to be, and he's the second scorer. And you have Wings, Kamari Lands, and Devin Ree, the four-star freshman, in their defense, they're both basically playing out of position at times. So it's hard to even judge how good they are. It's an at best an average front court, average wings, and then literally one guard. And credit to L. Ellis for even putting up the numbers he's putting up, 17-3, and three, considering that everyone knows the ball is going to be in his hands. But he's shooting under 40% from the field and 32% from three. And now he's going up against power conference competition going forward there's a good chance that those numbers are just going to continue to fall because he's going to have even better players guarding him for all 40 minutes. I do agree with you. I do think that it's going to be a good matchup on that front as Tristan Freeman of Bustin' Brackets does absolutely amazing work taking a look at the great game of college basketball. Tristan, I know you're locked into the ACC. You're locked into all things. Really, Pittsburgh Athletics, because on top of the Panthers, you're taking a look at things like Robert Morris, I know you do a nice job diving in when it comes to just really the entire state of Pennsylvania as well, along with the Duquesne Dukes. Cannot forget about them. They've gotten off to a relatively nice start to the season, and I know you've gotten off to a great start with all of your coverage. So let the good people at home know other able to follow you on social media, just everything that's on tap for you. Yeah, absolutely. You can find me at Hoopsnut351 on on, on Twitter. You can follow my site, Bustin' Brackets, at Bustin' Brackets as well as just checking on, on site online. And then we're just going to be going into the rest of the Big 12 Big East matchups. And then some, some more key games in, in what should be a quiet month of December, but there's going to be some good ones, including a few by Gonzaga alone to keep in mind going forward. Absolutely. And Tristan does an absolutely amazing job taking a look at the great game of college basketball whatever we get him on this podcast. It is always a pleasure. A big thanks to him for joining me right here on Coast to Coast Hoops, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis and every game on the betting board for this College Basketball Friday. As we get some baseball. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... 
Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for Guts Guts Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops Spears, and now a part of the Beeson Family and Podcast. A big thanks to our good friend Tristan Freeman out there in the great state of Pennsylvania covering all things college basketball. He's a guru when it comes to all of those Pittsburgh area teams, but on top of that, doing a great job. Take a look at the national landscape and taking a look at what we're getting in the ACC as well. I will say this right now, if you're noticing a little bit of background noise, seems as though the neighbors are doing a little bit of construction, so I do apologize if it sounds like that. Just think of it as we are working hard to be able to find you winners on the board, and that is why you're hearing that noise. So once again, I do apologize about that. It is not me or my wife or anyone like that working. It's something that I just cannot control, but I do think that we can get some control over what we like on the board. So let's give you guys picks and analysis on every game for this college basketball Friday as we hit some bank shots. Most financial establishments close at a certain time, but not here. It is time for a side and total on every game on today's betting board bank shots. Do you note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNRSquarty1. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the games with three digits on the betting board first. Then the games with six digits, they are at the bottom. For the most part, it's in time order. The games with six digits, that is going to include the Patriot League, the Atlantic Sun, the uh, America East, I believe, is on there. You've got the NEC, the SWAC, the MEAC. I think I've covered all the conferences. So 
Let's dive in first with 861-862 on the board. And we're pretty much going to be using all DraftKings numbers. No idea why, but seems as though a lot of the odds tracker sites on Thursday were given a little bit of a poop. But with that said, you've got Canisius. They are on the road. They are going to be facing off against Siena. Siena is a 9-point favorite with a total on this game at 137.5. And I did make Siena a 10-point favorite. I am going to be willing to lay it because... J.V. McCollum is going to be the best player out there on the floor, and he has been able to do an absolutely tremendous job. With the Sienna Bunch, he's been able to do a good job with 17 points per game. You've got a Sienna team that around him, they're able to rebound by committee as McCollum. It's given out five assists, one and a half steals per contest, shooting 37% from three. And Andrew Playtech, the transfer from North Carolina, He's been able to shoot 51% from three. I think that we're going to see regression there. Big thing for Siena is they do have to address the 16 and a half turnovers per contest, but you do have someone like a Jackson Stormo who's been able to give you 11 points, five and a half rebounds per game. Michael Bear's been able to give you five and a half boards per game. You got Jared Billups, a Swiss Army knife guy who's been able to do a good job, eight and a half points, five and a half boards, seal per contest, nine plus points in four of the team's last five games. So got a lot of guys I do like for the Sienna team, and with Sienna, they have been looking to kick up their tempo a little bit, and Canisius has not been shy about playing a little bit more up-tempo as well as Taj Stavosky has been able to do a very solid job delivering 14 points per contest, and then you've got six fours, about six points per game out of Xavier Long, six foot seven, a little bit of a combo player, to be able to pop some threes, give the team a block and a seal per contest, like what I've seen there, but this is a Canisius bunch that they just don't do a very good job of being able to guard the arc to save their lives. They do have Jameer Moultrie. He has come in from Kennesaw State. Goels, he's been able to shoot 47.5% from three-point range, but not a lot of depth. Outside of Xavier Long, you've really got one other guy that gives you more than, frankly, three and a half rebounds per game, and that'd be Bryce Okpo, seven points, six boards, so been able to do an okay job on that front, but I do think that Canisius could be had down low. I do think that Canisius, despite the fact that they take better care of the ball, the fact that they really can't generate a whole bunch of turnovers, that is going to be hurting them in this spot. And with both teams going a little bit more up-tempo, I did set my total at a 144. I'm willing to go over, and with this Sienna Bunch, I'm willing to lay up to 10 with them. 863, 864 on the betting board. It is Wake Forest. They're on the road. They're facing off against Clemson. Clemson is a three and a half point favorite, and your total on this game, you're getting it at a 143, and this is going to be the DK Nation pick because I'm going to be riding with Wake Forest in this spot. As a matter of fact, I think that Wake Forest is going to be able to win outright. Now, typically for the DK Nation picks, it's typically a spread bet just because you typically don't give money lines until the early AM. If I'm able to, I will give out the money line. If not, it'll just be like Wake Forest, the three and a half that we're seeing right now, but don't understand why Wake Forest is an underdog. I recognize that this could be a little bit of a tough turnaround for them because they did knock off Wisconsin a few days ago, but they got the best player out there on the floor, Wake Forest does. Tyree Appleby, he's eating good in the neighborhood. 19.5 points, 5.5 assists, 4.5 boards, 1.8 seals per game on 45.5% three-point shooting. Got a Wake Forest team that has another guy that's able to fill it up and Cameron Hildreth. Hildreth already has a triple-double to his credit. Was able to get that against Hampton. He's been able to pour in there at least 14 points in each of the team's last three games. He has been tremendous as well. Davion Williamson. He's only shooting 32% from three, and yet the team is still shooting 36.5% from distance. He and Damari Monsanto, teammates at East Tennessee State, are combining for about 21.5 points per contest. Really like their overall game. And for Clemson, 
P.J. Hall, team's top scorer from last season. He just hasn't necessarily been able to look like his true self thus far this season. It looks like he's getting closer and closer to it. He did have 22 points in that last game against Penn State. Big reason why he did have that is because the game went to double overtime. It was the first time really all season that he exceeded 22 minutes, so we shall see on that front because he's been dealing with injury. Now, you do have a guy that I like in Hunter Tyson who's been able to get the team 14.9 rebounds per game, and Clemson overall shooting 39.5% from three. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression with that. I recognize that Wake Forest has not necessarily played the world's greatest of competition, but they've been able to do a rock-solid job on defense all season long. They've done a nice job cutting off the three-point arc. They're a bit improved. As a matter of fact, giving up more around two and a half points fewer per 100 possessions than they did a season ago. Clemson does a good job not getting out of sorts. They only turned the ball over 10 times for contests, but I don't think that they're going to be able to keep up this three-point shooting. I think that they're going to have a tough time down low aside from Tyson. Only other guy that gives this team more than three rebounds per game, that'd be Ian Shifflin, who's been able to deliver seven points, four and a half rebounds per game. I do think that Wake Forest has a better backcourt. I think that they do a better job down low. Austin Carr is 6'10". He's able to haul in there with some rebounds, and I think Wake Forest should be able to go on the road and win outright. My DK Nation write-up, that is going to be on Wake Forest. Whether it is spread or money line, that's questioned. Expect probably the spread, but that said, I do like Wake Forest on the money line, and semi total 135. Got a Clemson team that's won the slowest in all of college basketball. Wake Forest, they play a little bit more up-tempo, but defense is improved with them as well. So, looking at the under and the DK Nation write-up, Wake Forest, 865-866 on the betting board. It is Charlotte, and they are going to be playing us to Appalachian State. Appalachian State is an underdog of 7.5 points, and your total on this game, it is 122, and I set my total at a 124. These are two very slow teams. As a matter of fact, Charlotte, they rank in the bottom 30 nationally in terms of possessions per game, so this is not a team that is looking to run it and gun it by any stretch of the imagination, but with that said, this is a circumstance where I am going to be willing to take the over, and when it comes to Appalachian State, I felt like they should have been more like a 4.5-point underdog for App State. It's been a bunch that has really been centered around Donovan Gregory. Gregory has done a great job. 14 points, 6 boards. A guy that is not going to go out there and shoot like a bunch of threes or anything like that, but also gives you 3.5 assists per contest, 1.6 steals per game. So he's a good concept for this team. And then for Charlotte, you've got Mr. Do-It-All in 6'10", slash 6'11", Ali Khalifa. 10 points, 8 boards, 4 assists. Not a great three-point shooter, but at six foot eleven, he's able to pop some threes. Had 19 points, 16 boards in that overtime win over Davidson, so he's in very good form. And then you've been able to get past that for Charlotte. A bunch of guys like a Lucy Patterson has been able to give you three assists, seven and a half points per game. This is a Charlotte team where the little is greater than some of its parts. They play very slow, very under control with only about ten and a half turnovers per game, but they could really use that. One exploder to be able to cover a number like this. And for Appalachian State, you've got Tyree Boykin coupled with Terrence Harkham. They're combining for 23 points per contest. You've got both of these guys shooting in the low to mid-30s from three-point range. But you've been able to get over 50% three-point shooting out of Debaji Walker. Walker has come in and has been able to do an absolutely amazing job after he had a season cut short a season ago. He's been able to get the team eight plus points in three out of the last four games as well. I do think that's going to be a relatively slow game, but if the spread is what we're thinking, 
it is with a lot of these teams and I am going to be willing to take a look at this total over because I do think that there is going to be a dead bit of late game falling in this one and with regards to Appalachian State I do think that they should be a four and a half point underdog they do a solid job on defense both of these teams do a nice job of being able to take control of the ball as well which means that even though both of these teams play very slowly they make the most out of those possessions so willing to take the over and willing to take seven and a half here with Appalachian State as I said my spread at four and a half 867 868 on the betting board. It is Niagara, and they are going to be on the road playing against Iona. Iona's a favorite of 12 points. Your total on this game is 128.5. I'm going to be seeing how this moves in the AM because I too set my total at 128.5. Niagara, one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball. And when it comes down to it for this Iona bunch, they just flat out have more talent. I'm willing to lay the 12. Wouldn't be willing to lay anything more than 12 with Iona, but I am willing to lay 12 with them. Dennis Jenkins has been absolutely supreme for this team. He was, according to JucoRecruiting.com, a top five junior college transfer. And he's come in, he's given the team 17 points, four assists, 1.3 steals, four rebounds per game. So he's been able to do a magnificent job there. And then you've got Nelly Jr. Joseph. Six foot nine, a little bit of a combo player that is one of the better shot blockers in all of college basketball. Ten and a half point seven boards, two and a half blocks, a steal and a half per game, and they go up against an Niagara bunch at they've got one dominant score. That'd be Noah Thomason. Sixteen points, four boards, four assists, shooting over forty percent from three point range, and for Niagara overall, they're shooting about thirty six and a half percent from three-point range. They really don't generate a lot of seals, and they just don't have a lot down low. You've got a pair of guys in Sam Oreo and Aaron Gray that are able to give you a combined 11 rebounds per game, but just the size of Iona, I think, is going to take it out of them. Quinn Slizniski has been missing the last few games for this Iona team. I expect him to be out once again, but you've got Bedick Jean-Louis, who I really do like. 12.5 points, four boards. Two seasons ago, he was a very supreme defender with 2.2 seals per game. He's been seeing more minutes. He's been able to do a nice job guarding the perimeter. You've got Walter Clayton Jr. has been able to dole out three and a half assists, pouring in there 14 and a half points per game. So overall, I do think that Iona has all the goods and a lot of people were fearing that because they are missing a few backcourt pieces from last season that they would get a little bit loose with the ball. Just 8.8 turnovers per game despite the fact that they play at a relatively good tempo. And I do think that that is going to be rough for this Niagara team. As a result, I did set Iona as a 12.5 point favorite. The 12 is the max I'm willing to lay, but I'm willing to lay it here. And when it comes to total, I'm going to be shopping around. I set my total at 128.5. So at a 128, I'd be willing to go over 129 or higher. I'm going to be looking at the under. So I'm going to be gauging early line movement to see where I'm going to be falling in terms of the total. 969, 970 on the betting board. Kent State is going to be playing us to South Dakota State. South Dakota State finds themselves as an underdog of 7 points. So this game is 145 and with Kent State, I did set them as a favorite of 9 points. I am going to be willing to lay it with this Kent State punch. I really like what they've been able to show me on defense and they're going to sincerely have the best player out there on the floor. That would be Sincere Carey. He's been able to do an incredible job with 18 points, 4 boards, 5.5 assists. Doesn't necessarily shoot at the world's greatest from three-point range, or he shot right around 35.5% from three-point range, but that's why you've got someone like a Giovanni Santiago. He's been able to give you 9.5 points per game, shooting 40% from three-point range. Malik Jacobs has been rock solid for this team as well. 13 points on 37.5% three-point shooting out of him, and then you've got down low someone in Ceylon Hornbeek who's been able to give the team right around 3.5 rebounds per game, so I do like what he's able to bring to the table, and then you take a look at the flip side for South Dakota State and what is right now ailing them turnovers. In terms of turnovers on a per-possession basis, they're a bottom 25 team in all of college basketball, and that's because they've just asked a little bit too much out of Zeke Mayo. They've missed 
essentially their top few scorers like Bayer Shireman, Douglas Wilson from last season, and that means that Mayo has to take on a big role. He's been able to give the team 12.5 points, 7.5 rebounds per game, but four turnovers at 2.7 assists per game, and as a matter of fact, this team's assist-to-turnover ratio is fewer than two assists for every three turnovers. That's just absolutely terrible, and as a result, it's caused the South Dakota State team to be less efficient. After last season, they let off college basketball in three-point shooting percentage. They were down to 34% three-point shooting. Alex Arians along Charlie Easley. These are a pair of guys that combined to shoot about 48% from three-point range last season. Now they're shooting more like 36% from three with a combined 17 points per game. And you just don't have a lot of rebounding on top of that. For the South Dakota State team, Zeke Mayo has really been the only guy that has been able to give this team more than five rebounds per game. Arians has been able to give you right around five boards, three and a half assists. He's got a little bit of versatility, but you need a little bit more out of Matthew Moore, a former top 200 recruit who's only been able to give the team three and a half points per game, shooting 17% from three-point range, with Kent State having a lot of guys that they're able to look to, like a Myron Thomas, who comes in from within the conference, 11 points per game, shooting 36% from three. Kent State, all in all, they've had a little bit of a tough time in regards to the offensive side of things, but you know what? On defense, they rank in the top 20 in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. That leads me to being able to back Kent State in this spot. I set them as a 9-point favorite. I think that we're still sort of stuck in the abyss that the South Dakota State team is going to be a bounce out of it, and I don't think that that's the case. I did set my total at a 145. We have seen this now move to a 146. South Dakota State, they still play up-tempo. Kent State has been kicking up their tempo as well, but with how many wasted possessions we see out of South Dakota State, a couple with their drop in three-point shooting percentage. I'm going to be willing to go under on 146, and I'm willing to lay seven with Kent State as I set them as a nine-point favorite. 871, 872 on the betting board. UMass is going to be on the road facing off against Harvard. Harvard is a very slight home underdog of two points, and your total on this game, it is 137.5. I set my total at a 136.5. I'm going to be willing to go under because with Harvard, they've had a little bit of a tough time of scoring, but with this UMass team, they're in a lot of transition because they do bring a lot of players in via the transfer portal, so I'm actually going to look to Harvard on the money line. Harvard is not necessarily a team that I love, but you do have the best player on the floor, in my opinion, in Chris Ludlam. 18.5 points, 7 boards. He's able to pop threes at about a 31% clip at six foot six. He's able to give you a block. He's able to give you a seal per game, so he fills up the stat sheet. And then when it comes to UMass, Hole is greater than the sub of its parts with the team. As Isaac Conte, Matt Cross, Noah Fernandes, TJ Weeks, and RJ Luis, they're all giving you between 8.5 and 10.8 points per contest. You've only got one guy that's really giving you more than 3.8 rebounds per game out of all of those, and that'd be Cross. Cross has a little bit of size, has been able to shoot 43% from three, and I will say, their top four scores, because Conte just hasn't popped any threes, shooting at least 43.8% from three, we are going to see regression with that. This is a Harvard bunch that they haven't necessarily been like supreme on defense or anything like that, but if you date it back to last season, they were able to do a relatively solid job on D whenever they had Chris Ludlam on the floor. Without him, it was not so great, but even for this Harvard team this season, they're allowing 84 points per 100 possessions when they're at home, they're in the top 80 in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. I think that they're going to be able to put the clamps down. If you saw Frank Martin last season at South Carolina, he wants to see him running it, gunning it a little bit more. We haven't seen that a ton because you haven't had Rasul Diggins be able to really take hold for this team, become a big backcourt piece. And for Harvard, you do have Evan Nelson, who's done a nice job being able to do all three and a half assists per game for Harvard. The 14 turnovers a game, that's a little bit unsightly, but they generate right around 8.8 steals per game as Lucas Okota, along with Ida and Tritot. They have been able to average about 14 and a half points, seven boards, 
boards, four assists. You've got Sakota shooting 37.5% from three. That's a big thing for Harvard. They're shooting 63% at the free throw line, sub 30% from three-point range. But UMass, even though they shoot 40% from three, 64% the charity stripe. I do think that that is going to come back to bite them. I think that there's going to be three-point shooting regression, especially with this being a true road game for UMass. So this is a UMass bunch that I did set as the slight underdog of the spot of a point and a half. So I'm going to be taking a look at Harvard on the money line to be able to win this game outright. And when it comes to Soto, set it at a 136.5. So here on 137.5, diving under, and I'm going to be taking a look at Harvard outright. 873, 874 on the betting board. It is Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh is going to be on the road playing against NC State. NC State is a nine-point favorite with a total of 147.5. And we were talking about this game with our good friend Tristan Freeman, and I did set NC State at a nine. So I'm going to be taking a look to see how this line is going to be moving. I thought I saw earlier some nine and a halfs and tens. And if we get north of a nine once again, I'm going to be willing to fire in on Pittsburgh. I'm doing this as openers are just starting to come out. But I would need at the very minimum nine and a half to be able to fire in on them. And I do like what I've seen out of Pittsburgh a little bit more. That Northwestern win, it was very solid. You got Jamarius Burton along with Blake Hinson out there in the wing slash guard spots combining for 31 points. Nearly 12 rebounds, 6 assists, 2.5 steals per game, and both shoot a combined 42% from 3. That's a good core to build around. John Hughley has been a little bit banged up, which is why he's only averaging 5 rebounds per game. He's been limited to 20 minutes per game, but should be a full go in this one as he was able to play 25 minutes against William & Mary. Was a little bit limited in that contest against Northwestern. That was more due to foul trouble than anything else. He's back out there. That is going to be able to help out on Greg Elliott, who was a career about 40% three-point shooter at Marquette, shooting just 34% from 3. I think that he and Nellie Cummings are starting to come around for the ride. And for NC State, this team is able to bomb it from three-point range. You've got Traquavian Smith, who has been absolutely tremendous. He and Jarkel Joyner combining for 33.5 points, nearly nine assists, four steals per game. Joyner shooting 38.5% from three-point range. And for NC State, good free-throw shooting team. Three of their top four scores shoot at least 85% at the charity stripe as a team. They shoot about 74% at the free-throw line. And NC State, despite the fact that they do go quite up-tempo, they're one of the faster teams they're find in the power conference level. They're only turning the ball over 11.5 times per game, so they've been efficient. They do need more down low, though, because I mentioned it with Hughley. He's going to be going up against Dusan Medahosic. He comes in from Serbia. He's sort of bounced around all of college basketball. 9.5 points, 7.5 rebounds out of him, and I will say, they've been able to get 6.5 rebounds per game out of Jack Clark, who's a 6'8", little bit of a combo guy, but this is an NC State team that they play fast, but they don't necessarily go with a deep bench. I would argue that you need a little bit more out of someone like an Ernest Ross, and I do think that that's going to allow Pittsburgh to hang within arm's reach in this one. And Pittsburgh, they do a solid job of being able to play some solid defense. You take a look at what they've done, and they've allowed 64 points or fewer in each of their last four games. Really, aside from the Michigan and the West Virginia games, this team has done a solid job on defense. You could say that they are having a tough time when it comes to better competition, but also for NC State, 64 points or fewer allowed in four of their last five games. So, I did set my total at a 145. I'm going to be willing to dive under and at nine and a half or more, going to be willing to take points with Pittsburgh. If this gets down to like an eight, eight and a half, then I'm going to be willing to lay it on NC State. Like I said, doing this as initial openers are just coming out, but looking most likely at Pittsburgh catching north of nine to go along with this total under. 875, 876 on the betting board. It is Georgia Tech and the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech 
They're going to be playing us in Northeastern. Northeastern is an 11-point underdog game. Your total on this game, you're getting it at a 129.5. We're seeing this move to 11.5 in some spots as well. And whether you've got 11 or 11.5, I'm going to be willing to lay it with Georgia Tech as I did set them as a 13.5-point favorite. Not necessarily a vote of confidence in terms of Georgia Tech. This just speaks to the suckitude that right now we're seeing out of Northeastern as Northeastern is a wreck. I wish I could put it any other way, but this is a Northeastern squad that right now they're shooting right in the neighborhood about 30% from three-point range. Their main low post presence, someone who began his career at Notre Dame and Chris Doherty is currently out of the fold. He has not played since the middle of November. So that means that they've been looking to Alexander Nawaga, who's been able to give the team six rebounds per game down low after he was a complete afterthought last season. A guy that legitimately should not be getting minutes right now. Northeastern shooting 58% at the free throw line with 15 and a half turnovers per game, despite being in the bottom one in terms of possessions per game. Meanwhile, Georgia Tech, they've actually done a good job of taking care of the ball. 11 turnovers per game. Now, this team is breath of shooting as well. They are right on par with Northeastern with their outside shooting, shooting about 30% from three, 69% at the free throw line, but at the very least, you know that you're getting a good effort. Miles Kelly, along with Dallas Coleman, they've been able to combine for about 24 points per contest. You haven't been able to get a lot of facilitation, right around 3.3 assists out of Davion Smith. Would like to see a little bit more there, but Smith has been able to generate about two steals per game, and Georgia Tech, they've been able to win the turnover battle in a lot of their games this season, and it's very heartening to see that Javon Franklin has been seeing more of the minutes down low. They were looking to Rodney Howard to begin the season. Rodney Howard has not really panned out with Georgia Tech. Let's call it what it is, but Franklin giving this team nine points, seven and a half boards, two and a half blocks per game, and Take a look at what he's been able to do recently. He has been able to give the team a combined 14 blocks in their last five games and seven plus boards in four out of their last five. So I'm quite impressed there. And when you're taking on a bunch like a Northeastern that they just have absolutely nothing down low, that should be able to win out. I did set my total at 127 half. Georgia Tech, always a relatively controlled team in Northeastern. I mean, we saw them against Syracuse. Only be able to put up in that game 48 points. This is a team that really is not scoring the ball. As a matter of fact, they have yet to get past 70 this season. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under semi total 127F and want to lay up to 13 with a Ramlin Reich of Georgia Tech as we go 877, 878 on the bang board. It is LSU. They're going to be playing us to UT Arlington. The Mavericks are an underdog of between 19 and 18 and a half points in your total on this game. It is 131. I said LSU is a 19 and a half point favorite. So at the 19, it is the max that I'm willing to lay, but I am willing to lay 19 with our good friends LSU because, well, with UT Arlington, defense is not bad. I mean, this is legitimately a team that has done a solid job down low with Shamir Wilson being able to give you nine points and eight and a half rebounds per game. The problem is Shamir Wilson giving you 8.9 points per game. That is the number one player in terms of points per game. That is not necessarily what you want to see UT Arlington actually an above average team in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis, but now they have to go up against an LSU team that they've got KJ Williams, someone who's saying 6'10", and is able to give you 17 points, 7 boards, and is bearing 36% of his threes. LSU overall, they're shooting 38.5% from three, and I can't necessarily say that it's a mirage because we saw it with Matt McMahon while he was over there at Murray State with a lot of the same guys. Williams, Justice Hill, along Trey Hannibal. These guys have had a lot of success, and Hannibal hasn't scored a lot. 4.5 points per game, but 4.7 boards, 2.5 assists, 1.4 steals. Derek Fountain, who comes in from Mississippi State, he's been able to generate a steal and a half per game as well, and LSU overall. They're getting nearly 10 steals per game. They're going up against the UT Arlington bunch at 
They're turning the ball over 13 times per game, and they are not an up-tempo team, which that is not what you want to see. Overall, UT Arlington shooting 29.5% from three-point range. You Texas A&M transfer in Aaron Cash, 6'6", a little bit of a combo player. He's honestly shot 40% from three-point range. He's been able to kick it into gear in the last few games, but you don't have a lot outside of him. You really need to find just someone. Anyone giving you more flow as Marlon Humphrey, he comes in from San Diego. He's been able to give the team about three assists. Was okay while he was at San Diego, but they just really need someone to take hold of this offense, and they've got absolutely none of that. While you've got Adam Miller on the flip side for LSU, giving you 17.5 points per game. Cam Ace, he's been a little bit banged up since coming over from NC State, but he's now online, shooting 60% from three. Certainly, we're going to see some regression there, and I do think that UT Arlington is going to be able to do an okay job on defense. I just think that LSU is going to be turning over. UT Arlington left and right and is going to suck the life out of them on offense. So I did set LSU as a 19.5 point favorite. One to lay up to 19 with them. Set my total 127.5. I know that 131 seems low, but I do think that UT Arlington going to be held down in this game. So I'm looking at the under and I'm looking to lay up to 19 with LSU. 879-880 on the betting board. This is a big one. Gonzaga and Baylor. Gonzaga is a two-point favorite. Total on this game is 164.5. Keep in mind that this is a neutral court game that is out there in the great state of South Dakota since we didn't get this matchup a few years ago. And with Gonzaga, I did set them as a five-point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay the number. And the big thing for me with this Gonzaga bunch is that You've got a Baylor team that is missing Jonathan Chamwachachwa, and Jonathan Chamwachachwa is their best little post player. They're still able to get some solid performance out of Flo Thamba, who's been able to give you right around five rebounds at a block per game. Caleb Lohner, he comes in from BYU. Six half points, five boards. He's able to pop some threes, but Gonzaga should be able to win that battle down low. Drew Timmy, I recognize he leaves a little bit of something to be desired on defense, but 20 points, seven boards, three assists at a block per contest is no joke. And then you've got Rajir Bolton, Julian Strother, and Noah Hickman. All should at least 40% from three-point range. Strother and Bolton have been able to combine for 27 points per game. Ekman right now leading the team in assists with three and a half per contest. Gonzaga not a team that's going to be a heat-seeking missile in terms of generating a lot of seals, but once again, one of your most efficient offenses in all of college basketball. Now, the big question I've got, can Malachi Smith get online for this team? Because it looked like there was a flash of brilliance against Portland State where he had 23 points, and then in the game against Xavier, he plays eight points. Eight minutes and he has zero points in that one so he's been a little bit all over the place in terms of this Gonzaga team and Gonzaga really not diving into their bench Ben Gregg is right now seeing the most minutes coming off the bench for this team and then when it comes to Baylor you've got a tremendous backcourt Adam Flagler has been able to throw it in there with 17 points seven assists he only half per game shooting 54% for three Baylor as a whole they're shooting 38.5% from three-point range nine and a half seals per contest and it's been really interesting to take a look at this Baylor tempo because with Baylor, this has always been a team that has been relatively rock solid on defense, and we've seen that regress. They're now 157th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. Now, they were victimized by the fact that they had to go up against Virginia when Virginia just could not miss a shot to save their lives, but I do think that this is going to be a Baylor core that they're going to be looking to get back to their grassroots where they're playing a lot more defense, slowing things down, as currently they rank right around 88th in the country in terms of possessions per game. Now, Gonzaga, they're a team that they're always going to look to run it and gun it. They're right now averaging right around 75 possessions per game, and I think that that is certainly here to say. I don't think that they're going to go much past that, but I don't think that they're going to go much slower, but I do think that because this is a neutral court game, both of these teams are going to hit a little bit of a cooler in terms of three-point shooting. I do like Keontae George for this Baylor team as well. 14 points, four assists, steal per game, four boards, and both of these teams... 
do have size along the perimeter. You've got a Baylor team that's a little bit better at being able to generate turnovers, but at the same time, I do think that they are going to get a little bit dump truck down low. Jalen Bridges has had to do quite a bit for this team down low as he's been able to give them right around four boards, nine and a half points per game. You'd like to see a little bit more. So I do think that Gonzaga wins from within. I think that Baylor is going to try to play at a little bit of a slower tempo as well. So this is a total that I did set at a 161.5. It's not like I think that this is going to be a game that you're going to be seeing like 60 to 50 or anything like that. But that's it. I think we've gone up a little bit too high in with Gonzaga. I think that because they do have that low post advantage, they're going to be able to control this game. Made them a five-point favorite. So looking at Gonzaga in this spot, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under. 881-882 on the betting board. Illinois is going to be on the road face golf against Maryland. Illinois is a two-point underdog, and your total on this game is 144.5. I think the wrong team is favored. I said Illinois is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, I've really had to adjust my power ranking on this... Maryland team. Maryland has impressed me quite a bit this season, but I do question how Maryland is going to be going up against an Illinois team that, since they had their games out in lovely Las Vegas, they've really been embracing their pressure style, generating nearly 10 steals per game, and as a matter of fact, with regards to this team, you've got each out of your top nine count them, nine scores for Illinois, getting at least 0.9 steals per game. They all have active hands. The big disappointment for this Illinois team, in my opinion, is Matthew Meyer. Six points, five boards, shooting 25% from three. You expected more out of him than that, but past that, he is really the only guy other than R.J. Melendez among their top nine scores that is shooting below 36% from three-point range, and that includes T.J. Turnitup Shannon. 20 points, six boards, three and a half assists, bearing 43% of his threes. You've got the Baylor transfer and Dane Danger, who's been able to give you six and a half rebounds per game down low. Coleman Hawkins, good versatility, nine and a half points, six boards, four and a half assists per game, and then the versatility of Dante Scott is going to be very much needed in this game for Maryland. He's been able to deliver 16 points, six and a half boards, someone who's shooting about 43% from three-point range. I do like what he's been able to do overall. has been relatively consistent with 18 plus points in three of the team's last four games, and Maryland has been smart with the ball. They're not a team that's going to light it up from three-point range. They shoot as collective 32% from distance, and I think that that's a very fair number, but they only turn the ball over 11 and a half times per game, so credit where credit is due. You've got James Reese down low, has been able to give you eight boards, 13 points per game, and then Jameer Young and Akeem Art. They're combining for about 27 points. Young has been able to give out three and a half assists per game, but I would like to see a little bit more out of someone like a Jari Long, someone like a Noah Bachelor. These are guys that are seeing minutes that they aren't necessarily delivering a ton for the team. Patrick Emelin, who comes in from St. Francis of Brooklyn, has been able to generate right around a block per game, so he's been able to do an okay job on that front, but I just think that the active hands of Illinois, that is going to be able to travel. Do I think that Illinois might see a little bit of a fall off in terms of their three-point shooting? Yes, but you've got such a good rotation with Illinois. This is a tough style for Maryland to really match up with, in my opinion. I do think that it's going to catch them a little bit by surprise, so as a result, I did set Illinois as a favorite of two and a half points. Maryland has been playing very much under control. They're playing at a little bit of a slower tempo, so I do think that that is going to bode well for them. I do think that they're going to look to try to make this a little bit more of a half-court game. Semi-total at 140.5, so looking under and looking at Illinois as a money line underdog. Last game on the normal Las Vegas betting board before we hit the extra games is 883-884. Idaho is going to be playing us to Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois, a two-point road favorite, and your total on this game is 143.5. Now, Idaho stinks. Who is Northern Illinois to being a road favorite? I said Idaho is a four-point favorite. I'm going to be willing to take the money line. This is a... Bunch in Northern Illinois that lost to Springfield in their first game of the season, and that's a non-D1 team. Like, I just 
can't make them a favorite in this spot no matter how hard I try. Like, I know, they've got a ways to go. They've had Isaac Jones deliver 20 points, 7 boards per contest, shooting 40% from 3-point range, which you do like to see, and... Ido, when it comes to their just entire backcourt, it's not necessarily too great. You've got Devontae Moffitt. So maybe we'll give you 16.5 points, 5.5 assists per game. And Ido only turns the ball over 12.5 times per game. But if you do take a look at the defense, it is relatively grody. It's not quite Oakland-level bad because Oakland, they are dead last in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. But Ido, they aren't too far off. 324th in the country. But, I mean, Northern Illinois, it's not like this team is too much better. They allowed... 70 points to Eastern Illinois a few days ago. That's the equivalence of giving up like 90 to a different school. Northern Illinois does have Keyshawn Williams. He's been able to deliver for the team 18.5 points per contest. And Zarek Nutter, actually one of the better junior college transfers in all of college basketball. He's been able to give the team six boards down low. But that's really your main rebounder, David Coit, who comes in from the non-D1 level, 15 points per game. He's been able to shoot 39% from three. But this is a Northern Illinois bunch that, despite not necessarily playing super-duper up-tempo, they're turning the ball over 16 times per game. That is not too terrific. You really don't have anyone other than Nutter that's able to give you more than 5.3 rebounds per game with Anthony Crump being the other guy. So I do think that Ido going to be able to actually win the battle on the glass. And for Ido, it's just all about having someone who last season was very good for the team and Rashad Williams being able to find that form. Last season, Rashad Williams, 10 points, shot 44% from three, five rebounds per game. This season, five points per game on 21% three-point shooting. I do think that he's going to be able to warm up a little bit more. It's an Ido team that they leave a lot to be desired on defense. But they've got some halfway decent play pieces on offense. Taron Frank has been able to give you six rebounds per game. I think that Ido controls the glass. I think that there's going to be quite a lack of defense played. And Ido, not too slow of a team either. So I did set Ido as a four-point favorite. I'm going to be taking them on the money line. And set my total at 146. So looking at the over. Now we get the extra games. The normal betting board picks are complete. But there are some extra games today, so we go into the bonus. The extra games start with 306, 735, 306, 736. You've got Bryant, and they are going to be playing us a Brown. What can Brown do for you? Well, if they lose by single digits, they're going to be able to make you money. Bryant is a 9.5 point favorite. Not seeing a total up for a game as of right now, but with that said, I did set my total for this game at a 153. So, 152.5 or less, I'll be taking a look at an over 153.5 or higher to the under end. I set Bryant as a 12 point favorite. Bryant, right now, playing at one of the most rapid paces in all of college basketball, much like last season. And this Bryant team, they are absolutely coming for that smoke and they are coming for points. Charles Pride, Earl Timberlake, and you've got Sharif Gross Bullock who are combining to average about 47 points per game. You've got Timberlake and Pride combining for 17 rebounds. The three guys I mentioned before, they are combining to be able to give you about 11.5 assists, five steals per game, with Bullock and Pride both shooting about 40% from three-point range. Now, the Bryant defense... As you can probably imagine, leaving a little bit of something to be desired out of your 353 D1 teams. Currently, in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, they rank 234th, but this is a Brown team that they've got a few guys there. They're able to chuck it in from three-point range as well. They've been able to have Keno Lilly Jr. go off for 17 points. I like what I've seen out of him as he shoots right around 38.5% from three. Brown as a whole, they do shoot 34% from distance, but they do turn the ball over 15 times per game. They're looking to play a little bit more slowly. They rank right around 120th in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, but they need a little bit more down low. You do have Pasek Wojcik along with the gentleman that played for the under-19 Canadian team in the FIBA World Championships a few seasons ago in Nana Owusu Anane. These two guys, they've been able to combine for about 22.5 points, 14.5 boards, and to their credit, 5.5 assists and 3.5 
steals per game, but that said, you really don't have a lot of depth with this team. Dan Friday is someone that's been a little bit banged up, so it's not necessarily been too terrific there. He's probably going to be out of the fold once again, which means that you really need Kimo Ferrari to step it up after last season. He shot 36% from three. He showed a little bit of promise. Has not been able to do so thus far this season, and I do think that it's going to be a tough go of it for our good friends over there at Brown. As a result, I did set Bryant as a 12-point favorite. I think that they're going to push Brown out of their game. We've seen a lot of teams try to slow down Bryant. Very, very few have had success. So I did set Bryant as a 12-point favorite. One to lay it. And made my total 153. So 152.5 or less. I'm going to be taking a look at the over 153.5 or higher. I'm going to be taking a look at this total under. 306, 736, 306, 738. You've got Kennesaw State. Go And they are going to be on the road playing at Mercer. For some reason, I'm noticing that all these extra games currently have no totals. But that said, I made my total of 137.5. And then in terms of the spread, I am currently seeing Mercer as a 4.5 point favorite. And I said Mercer as a 7.5 point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay it with the Bears. This is a Mercer bunch that... I think is going to be able to do a solid job on defense against the Kennesaw State team in which they do bring back a lot from last season, but I just wonder if there's a little bit of a ceiling in terms of just this Kennesaw State team as a whole, and they did miss one of their top scorers from last season in Jameer Moultrie, who entered in the transfer portal. It's been all about Chris Youngblood this season. He's been able to give the team 15 points, 1.3 seals, shooting 42.5% from three, and all in all, Kennesaw State is shooting 61% in the free throw line at 39.5% from three. Something's got to give there. You've been able to get some good production in terms of the backcourt with four and a half assists out of Tyrell Burden. Burden has been able to shoot himself 60% from three. You've got shooting 50% from three. Brandon Stroud, who's done a nice job leading the team in rebounds with seven and a half per game. There's going to be regression with this three-point shooting. Now, Kennesaw State, honestly, a good three-point shooting team, but Mercer, they do have some nice size along the perimeter as well. I really like what you're able to get out of six foot seven combo player, Louis Artado Jr., who comes in from Bryant. He's been able to shoot 37% from three, 10 and a half points, four and a half boards, five and a half assists. He has been rock solid for this Mercer team. And Mercer, they aren't turning the ball over a lot. 11.8 turnovers a game. They do leave a little bit of something to be desired down low. They've really got one guy giving you more than five rebounds per game. That would be the freshman in David Craig, who comes in from South Africa. And he's been able to do a very solid job. They've been giving him more minutes, and he's been able to step up as a result. And then you've got Kamar Robertson along with Sean Walker on the backcourt, combining for 24.5 points, five assists. Robertson is able to give you nearly two steals per game, and both of these guys shooting well above 40% from three-point range. I do think that you're going to see some coolage from both of these guys, and the question becomes, what are you going to be able to get out of Jalen Cobb once he returns to the fold for Mercer? Because they've actually been able to do a very solid job without him, and you've noticed that Jalen McCurry has been able to step up as well. And gentlemen from South Florida, 13 points, five rebounds per game. Nice little mix-and-match combo here from Mercer. They're not looking to play necessarily too up-tempo. I do think that both of these teams do him for a little bit of three-point shooting regression, and with Kennesaw State, they do lack a little bit of size. I do think that Mercer is going to be the better team on defense, and that allows me to take Mercer on the spread. I'm willing to lay up to seven with Mercer, and it's set my total at 137.5, so 137 or less looking at the over 138 or higher to the under. 306, 739, 306, 740. You've got Southern, and they're on the road facing off against Louisiana Tech. LA Tech is an 8.5 point favorite. Once again, no total up on this game as of now, but with Louisiana Tech, I'm willing to lay the 8.5 with them. I'm not willing to lay a single half point more than an 8.5, but I am willing to lay 8.5 
with them. This is a Southern team that they just lack firepower and offense. This has honestly been a really good defense. And if you go back to last season, Southern was one of the top teams in all of college basketball in terms of turnovers forced on a per-possession basis. They're generating 11.5 seals this season with each other top five scores giving you at least one seal per game and each other top four giving you at least 1.6 seals per game. As if you have P.J. Bird along with Brian Whitney, they're combining for about 19.5 points per contest. Bird has been able to give out five assists and shooting 45% from three. Southern as a whole, they shoot about 35.5% from three, but even though they do a good job of being able to get these seals, they're also turning the ball over 15.5 times per game. That is a bit of an issue. You've got Jaquan Ewing. I don't know what to make out of this, but in his first showing of the season against a non-D1 team on Monday, he had in 17 minutes, 16 points and 6 rebounds. He's a non-D1 transfer who has stepped up and in very good opening performance. I just, once again, question if he's going to be able to keep that going moving forward as it's been more or less someone like a Texas Southern transfer in Bryson ATN who's been carrying the mail 15 points per game, shooting 42% from three-point range. But for Louisiana Tech, what they like down low, they have in the backcourt. Keystone Willis along with Kobe Williams, they combine for about 31 points per game. Willis has been leading the way with five and a half rebounds per game. You'd like to see that go northward for some of their big men, but Williams is shooting 41% from three-point range. You've got a LA Tech team that overall shoots about 75.5% the free throw. They need to come down as well, 16 and a half turnovers per game, but they themselves generate nine seals per game as well, including getting two seals out of Jordan Crawford. A little bit more of a defensive stopper and more of a just do it all sort of guy. Six points, four and a half assists, three rebounds per game. So I do like what he's able to bring to the table for this team. I would like to see a little bit more down low out of Isaiah Crawford. 13 points, five boards per game, but he's been able to shoot it at about 37.5% clip as well. I do think that you're going to have a nice little bit of an up and down game, but with Southern, this is a team that despite the fact that they play fast, they do a very good job with their tenacious defense and really both of these teams do that as well as I do think that you're going to see a lot of turnovers in this game. That'll lead to some fast break buckets. I set my total at a 143.5. As a result, 143 or less, I'm going to be taking a look at the over and 144 or higher, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. And in terms of the spread, I am willing to lay up to 8.5 in this circumstance with Louisiana Tech. Not willing to lay a half a point more as we go to 306, 541, 306, 542. They are going to be on the road. They're going to be facing off against Georgia. Georgia finds themselves a sizable favorite of 24.5 points. And now we're seeing a total up as this one is at a 128.5. And with Georgia... Made them a 23-point favorite. So at 24.5, I'm going to be willing to take the points with Florida A&M. I mean, boy, it's a relatively grody Florida A&M side, but I just can't advocate for laying this many with Georgia. Georgia has really looked to crank down their style a little bit as they now are under the tutelage of Mike White, who you may remember from Florida from all those seasons ago. And for Georgia, you do have Jerry Roberts, who's been able to do a solid job, giving the team 14 points, five boards, four assists out there in the backcourt, but... He has been turning the ball over three times per game. Now with Florida A&M, they're just looking for any signs of life that they can get. And it seems as though Byron Smith, who comes in from Southeast Louisiana, was a starter for them a few seasons ago, has been able to provide that. Ten points, two assists, shooting badly from three-point range. You could say that about the entire Florida A&M team. They're shooting 27.5% from three. Biggest issue, they've got 19.3 turnovers per game. When you're averaging 56 points per contest, that's not great. And I think that they are very nearly at as many made field goals this season as they've got turnovers. So that has been not terrific. You've got Jalen Bates, who's been able to come in. He's been able to give the team about seven rebounds per game after he was at the 91 level last season. But yeah, you've got a lot of guys that they need to pick it up like a Chase Bars down low. But 
for Georgia. They got a little bit of a tough time holding on to the ball of their own with 16 turnovers a game. They only shoot about 31.5% from three. You do have Justin Hill and Kerry Oquendo. Combined shoot about 35% from three. Hill's been able to give the team 9.3 assists per game. Oquendo, a little bit more of a designated scorer with 13.5 points per game. And I want to see a little bit more down low of this team as well. Matthew Moncrief, five points, four boards. has been a little bit of a disappointment. I was expecting quite a bit more out of Merdez McBride coming in from North Texas. Four and a half points per game. You've had right around six points and five and a half rebounds out of Carrion Lindsley. It just feels like with this Georgia team that they haven't necessarily been able to reach their true potential to this point. Lots of moving pieces, a new coach, and I do think that they're going to be doing a little bit of experimenting against Florida A&M to just see what they've got in general. So this is a total in which I did set relatively low. I set my total at 129. I'm going to be willing to go over on the 128 half because I do think that you're sort of going to have a little bit of an open gym approach as I do think that things are going to be getting quite out of hand here. But I do think that with Georgia trying out some things and just really generally not knowing what they're getting in general, that this is a spread that has gotten up a little bit too lofty. So I'm going to be willing to take 24 and a half with Florida a and with this total at 120.5, that's the max I'm willing to take over, but I'm going to be willing to take it over as we go to 306, 743, 306, 744. It is Boston U, and they are going to be on the road facing off against Merrimack. The Merry Men of Merrimack are a three point underdog with your total on this game, 126.5, and, and I did set Boston U as a six point favorite. I am going to be willing to lay the number because with Boston U, they just are going up against a Merrimack team that does not look right without Jordan Minor. Jordan Minor was very major for this team as last season he was a double-figure scorer and in the two games that he played this season, 17 points, 8.5 rebounds. Without him, they have not been able to generate just as much defensive pressure. They've turned the ball over 15 times per game and they've got no flaw on offense. This is a bad shooting team, shooting about 29% from three-point range. Ziggy Reed has done a solid job, 14 points per game, but as a 6'6 combo player, he needs a haul in there, more than 2.9 rebounds per game, and as a matter of fact, You've currently got one player that is giving you at least three rebounds per game. That'd be Jordan Turkak as a true freshman, which is just leaving this team in a relatively bad place in general. Michael Deering only giving the team five points per game. That is far from terrific. I thought that Jordan McCoy would be able to take some strides for it after he shot 38% from three last season. He's back to shooting sub 30%. And for Boston U, it's Walter White who's breaking bad. 13 and a half points, six boards. Three-point shooting percentage just went down, but he's been able to average a steal per contest as well. He's been in double figures in three out of the last four games. It's done a good job helping the team out down low after Sukmail Mathan left the team from last season, but I've been able to have Jonas Harper be a nice little number two scorer with 11.5 points per game. Boston U overall, they're only shooting about 30% from three, but they do a nice job taking care of the ball, and that should be big against a Merrimack team that they're still generating right around 11 steals per game. This is a Merrimack team that they still play that psycho zone. They do a good job of being able to come up with turnovers, but Boston U, they do a nice job being able to protect the ball, despite the fact that they don't necessarily have one primary distributor. They've got one guy in Miles Brewster who's been able to give you more than two assists per game, and that's about it, but you've got Devin Zink down low, giving you six rebounds per game. Ethan Burton Watts is someone that a few seasons ago shot 47.5% from three, hasn't necessarily lived up to that this season, but with Boston U, despite the fact that it's not necessarily the world's greatest side, I do think that they should be able to get it done against a Merrimack team that they just clearly are showing that they've got absolutely nothing down low. So, a circumstance in which I did set Boston U as a six-point favorite, I'm going to be willing to lay it. Merrimack, 
without having in the fold our good friend in Jordan Miner. I believe that they have passed the 62-point plateau once, and I don't think that they're going to do it against the Boston U team that is one of the slowest in all of college basketball. So, semi-tall at 124, diving under, and I'm going to lay the points with Boston U. 306-745, 306-746. It is James Madison, and they're going to be playing us Eastern Kentucky. Eastern Kentucky is an underdog of 13.5 points with your total 152. I did set Eastern Kentucky as a 13.5 point underdog, so we're going to be looking to see how this moves overnight. If we're able to find more like a 12.5 to a 13, I'm going to be willing to lay the points. If this gets up to more like a 14 to a 14.5, then I'd be willing to take the points. And as a matter of fact, right now I'm seeing on the board James Madison in another shop as a 14.5 point favorite, and at that number, I would be willing to take the points with Eastern Kentucky. James Madison, a very solid bunch in which they do a nice job with pretty much a nine-man rotation, generating about 10 steals per contest. You've got Mezzi Afram, who's been able to do a good job down low, being able to give this team 10.5 points and 5.5 rebounds per game. And you just take a look at this James Madison team. Seven different guys are averaging at least 8.4 points per game. They as a collective are shooting 42.5% from three. Once again, we're going to be seeing regression with that as each other top four scorers are shooting at least 45.5% from three. Now, I'm very impressed by DeKal Molson and Beto Morris. They're combining for about 27 points. Three and a half assists between the two of them, 2.8 seals. They're not going to continue to shoot as a collective 47% from three-point range. Eastern Kentucky, they've throttled down just a little bit. They have always been a team that in the past has done a good job of generating seals themselves, and that's still the case as they've been able to get about 10 seals per contest. They are shooting 38% from three-point range. Once again, a little bit of aggression there as well as you've got Michael Moreno, couple with Devontae Blanton. They've been able to combine for about 29 to 30 points per contest. 12 rebounds, 5.5 assists, 2 steals per game. I do like their game as both shoot over 40% from 3-point range. But now you've got Isaiah Cozart, who's been able to give you 6.5 rebounds per game down low. It's been a very much touch-and-go season for Eastern Kentucky, as Eastern Kentucky has had some very uneven games, to say the least. They were able to hang in there against Western Kentucky, and they have knocked off UNC Asheville. Meanwhile, they've lost to Texas A&M Commerce by 14 points. Um, this is a team with a wide amount of variance. This is a total that I did set at a 157 half. James Madison looking to play up tempo. Eastern Kentucky, they are always a super duper fast team as well. And I do think that both teams are going to be able to generate seals, leading the fast break bucket. So I am going to be taking a look at this total over. And with regards to this Eastern Kentucky team, being able to get 14 or more, I'm going to be willing to take the points. Really like this James Madison team, but I do think that now they're starting to become just a little bit overvalued. 306, 747, 306, 748. It is Liberty, and they're going to be playing us Maryland Eastern Shore. The Shore is finding themselves as an underdog of 15 and a half points, and your total on this game is 132. Made Liberty a 15 point favorite, so I need the hook on 15, but I'm willing to take 15 and a half with the Maryland Eastern Shore. I believe it's Hawks, and with Maryland Eastern Shore, they do have a team that does a good job of being able to generate turnovers. As a matter of fact, they're generating 10 steals per game. You've got a backcourt of Zion Siles along with Dom Phillip, who will be able to combine for 23 points, about 7.5 boards, 2 steals per game. Both of these guys are shooting above 36% from 3-point range. Big for this team as well, Kevon Vowles, who last season gave the team 9 points, right around 3 boards and a steal after game. Now he's back in full, made a season debut against Lehigh. He had 16 points in 20 minutes in that one, and that should be able to help this team out because they bring in from Canisius, 
Amadou Fofana, who's been able to do a solid job doling out about two and a half assists. He's been able to contribute a little bit over a seal per game as well. Maryland East for sure. It's going to be head down though. Only guy that's given this team more than five rebounds per game is Nathaniel Pollard, but with Liberty, even though you do have that flamethrower score in Darius McGee, who's been able to give the team 21 points per game, which is actually down from what he did last season, you do have a Liberty bunch that they seem to be a little bit more out of sorts with the ball. 12 and a half turnovers per game. They're still playing that very, very slow style. They're always in the bottom 50 in regards to possessions per game, and been able to have about six rebounds per game out of Joseph Van Sand, who's been able to do a good job there, but I do feel like McGee still needs a little bit more help. You've got guys like Blake Preston, Silo Robinson, they've been able to give you about six and a half to seven points per game. Kyle Rode is a six foot seven point forward, seven points, three and a half boards, three and a half assists, so he's been pretty solid, but aside from Darius McGee, you've got one guy that's really shooting it well in Brody Pebbles from three-point range. He's shooting over 50% for three. That's not sustainable. Everyone else has not necessarily held up their end of the and I do think that Maryland Eastern Shore going to be able to come up with some turnovers. You've got a Maryland Eastern Shore team that is very slow and controlled, looking to hang their head on defense. Liberty, even though they're super efficient on offense, they are a super-duper slow team as well. So as a result, I did set my total at 125. I'm looking under with Maryland Eastern Shore, wanting to take north of 15 with them. 3 of 6, 749. 3 of 6, 750. You've got South Florida, and they're going to be playing us to Charleston Southern. Charleston Southern is catching 12 points, and your total on this game is 132. I made my total 128.5. Charleston Southern is looking to play a little bit more up-tempo, but you've got a South Florida team that they're really looking to just pound you into oblivion on defense. They are not a good shooting team. As a matter of fact, out of 358 D1 teams from last season, they were 358th in the country, and they're shooting 29% this season, though I do like Tyler Harris. He comes in from Memphis, 15 points, 2.5 assists per game. He's been able to do a good job, and then you've got Selton Miguel giving you 11.5 points per game. Big key for South Florida is that they've been without Keyshawn Bryant recently. Finally made his return against UMass a few days ago. Was limited. 13 minutes, 6 points in that span. I think that he probably plays closer to 20 minutes, not quite back to the 30 or so that he was playing before, but I do think that we're going to see a little bit more out of him, and for this Charleston Southern team, what has really been impressing me, and he might be the best scorer out there on the floor, as strange as it is, Claudel Harris Jr., 19 points, 4.5 boards, 3 assists. He has been absolutely tremendous with 17 plus points in each of the last 4 games and really doesn't turn the ball over. To Charleston Southern's credit, even though they play a little bit more brisk, they only turn the ball over 10 times per game. They're shooting about 33% for 3, nothing great, nothing terrible. They've been able to get about 7 points per game out of Cheke Faye, who's been a little bit banged up this season, but he's back in the fold. He was able to give the team 10 rebounds 2 games ago, so... I like what I'm seeing there. Charleston Southern most likely going to be losing the rebound battle as Russell Chewa. He's a 7-footer that's able to give you 6.5 rebounds per game, but Tajay Kelly has been very versatile. 10.5 points, 7 boards. Not a guy that's able to pop threes, but does a good job of just helping this team out down low. Now, I did have to bump down Charleston a little bit because you had Mr. Kelly be limited to just 10 minutes in their most recent game against the Citadel. So I do not think that he's going to be playing in this game, but I also had to adjust South Florida because I do think that even though Keyshawn Bryant is back, he's not back to being fully 100%. So I did make this number in the middle. I set it at a 10.5. I'm willing to take 12 here with Charleston Southern. And for South Florida, a team that they just traditionally play slow, both of these teams, they leave a lot to be desired in terms of their outside shooting. I think that they're going to give us a little bit of a clunker in this game. So as a result, I set my total at 128.5, looking under and willing to take 12 with Charleston Southern. 3 of 6, 751. 3 of 6, 752. East Carolina is going to be playing us to Campbell. Campbell's a three-point underdog with your total 135. And with East Carolina 
Can I make them a two-point favorite? I'm going to be willing to take three here with Campbell. Campbell, one of the slowest teams at all of college basketball that you're going to find in a bunch that they rely upon Ricky Clements to do it all for the team. As Clements has been terrific. A little bit of a six foot two guard that gives you 14 points, four boards, three and a half assists, 1.6 steals per game. He's shooting 80% from three. Now, I think we can all agree that this is not going to be maintaining as thus far this season. He has went eight of 10 from three point range. There's do in for a regression there, but I do think that East Carolina, a team that they themselves have a 40% three-point shooter, and Javon Spall is getting 19 points per game, is going to regress a little bit as well. And for East Carolina, they do get a little bit out of sorts, turning the ball over 13 and a half times per game. Spall has been able to come up big with five assists, five boards per game, and then I do like Brandon Johnson down low, 13 points, eight and a half rebounds per game. I'm just curious to see when Winston Tabs is finally going to get some minutes, as he was really, really good while he was at Boston College, and in their game against UT Arlington a few weeks ago, had 16 points in that one. He looked like the Winston Tabs of old. And then in the last two games, he's played 18 minutes for just five points. He really is the X Factor for this East Carolina team moving forward. In the meantime, R.J. Felton has been able to give this team 11 points, 5 rebounds per game, but for Campbell, just a very well-rounded group. Along Clements, you have a pair of guys in Joshua Lusain, along with Asus Calalero. They've been able to combine for 21 points, 9 boards per game. Calalero is shooting 54.5% from 3. Once again, that's not going to maintain, but Campbell, they're one of the slowest teams at all of college basketball. They turn the ball for 13.5 times per game, but they also get 7 steals per game. Jay Powell, who comes in from Jackson State, has been solid down low with 6.5 rebounds per game. He's been able to give the team nearly two blocks per game as well. That's something that they have been sorely missing last few seasons. And Anthony Del Oroso has been able to do a very solid job recently as well as he's been able to catch some fire, giving the team a combined 37 points over the last three games, shooting 40% from three-point range. I like the way that the 6'6 freshman from Australia has looked. So as a result, I do think the Campbell's going to be able to hang in this game. East Carolina, notorious for very, very slow starts. And I think that it's going to be tough for them to be able to bail themselves out against a Campbell team that they play as slowly as they do. That means fewer possessions if East Carolina has won their patented slow start. So willing to take three here with Campbell. I said East Carolina is a two-point favorite. Made my total 130 as well. So diving under. 306, 753, 306, 754. Long Island is going to be playing us to Towson. Towson is a favorite of 17 and a half points in your total on this game is 137. And for Long Island, it's pretty sad. It's pretty pathetic right now. I couldn't quite go this far as I did set them as a 16 and a half point underdog. So I'm going to be willing to take 17 and a half. Towson, without question, this is one of the better mid-major teams they're going to find in all of college basketball. As you've got Cam Holden holding it down in just about every category of the stat sheet as he's been able to deliver 15.7 boards, 4.5 assists, 1.3 steals per game. Doesn't necessarily pop threes, but that's why you've got some like a Nicholas Timberlake and Jason Gibson. They've been able to combine for about 38% three-point shooting with Timberlake. Bringing Sexy back with 15.5 points, four boards per contest. Gibson is able to give you nine points per game, and then Charles Thompson down low, right around six half boards per game. Long Island showed me something in that gritty cover against St. John's, though. You've been able to get 15 points per game out of Marco Maladic, who's been able to pop threes at about a clip of 37 or so percent. Long Island overall, they shoot 35% from three. Now, they're sloppy with the ball. 17 turnovers per game. That is not necessarily so terrific, but I like what I'm seeing out of RJ Green. He's been able to give out three assists, right around 10 points per game. They've been without Trey Wood throughout much of the season, so he's had to step up quite a bit, and you've been needing to get a little bit more down low. Jake Cook has been a little bit alien 
Sterling as well. So as a result, you're seeing more and more minutes for guys that have been a bit more off the radar, like a Quion Burns. Burns has come in and he's done a solid job shooting 38% for three, nine and a half points, six and a half boards as a six foot six, a little bit of a combo player. And what benefits this Long Island team is that they go up against the Towson Munchad. They really don't generate a lot of seals. Five steals per game out of Towson. Towson, one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball, which makes it a little bit tougher to be able to cover this summer. As a result, I did set Long Island as a 16.5 point home underdog. I'm willing to take 17.5. I do think that with Towson, they can be a little bit streaky from three-point range as well. I set my total at 138.5. Long Island, they're looking to gun it. They've been able to do a solid job in terms of being able to pop some threes, and then on top of that, you've got a Towson team that is one of the most efficient in all of college basketball. They're not necessarily fast, but they're efficient, and Long Island in the bottom 40 in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. So, so my total 138 138.5 looking over and I'm looking at 17 or more here with Long Island and we're going to things up with 306, 755, 306, 756. It is Auburn and they are going to be playing us Colgate. Colgate's between a 12.5 to a 13-point underdog with your total on this game, 142.5. And with Colgate, I set them as an 11-point underdog. I'm going to be willing to take the points. Now with Colgate, they are going to be dismantled down low because you've got a guy by the name of G&I Broom and he is doing a nice job of being able to clean up for this Auburn team. Auburn has been able to get a lot out of him as he's been able to deliver 8.5 boards. He's giving the team 3.7 blocks per game along 10.5 points per game, but with Auburn you've got your question marks in terms of backcourt. It's been Wendell Green Jr. has been really doing it all for them. 13.5 points, 3.5 assists, CO per game, shooting in the mid-30s for 3-point range, and this is going to improve, but you've got an Auburn bunch that is currently shooting 26.6% from 3-point range at Colgate last season. They were second in all of college basketball in terms of 3-point shooting percentage, right around 40.5%, and they're right on par with that this season. For Colgate, they've been able to get massive production out of Tucker Richardson, 16 points, 4 boards, 5 assists, 2 steals. He shoots 41.5% from 3. Colgate has a whole shooting over 50% from the floor, 40.5% from 3. Now, with Auburn, this is not the Auburn team that we saw from the Final Four a few years ago. The backcourt is very much diminished, but the frontcourt and what you're able to get down low is very, very good, as even someone like Dylan Cardwell is able to give you multiple blocks per game. Auburn, they rank in the top 10 nationally in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis, but more of their strength in their defense, it does come a little bit more down low rather than along the perimeter. Oliver Lynch Daniels last season shot 54.5% from three. He's not going to be able to duplicate that, but since he's come off of an injury, 11.5 points, shooting 37% from three, that's pretty sustainable. Keegan records down low, he's able to give the team 6.5 rebounds per game, and then you have been able to get 5.5 points and 5.5 boards out of Jeff Woodard as well, so I do think that these guys are going to be able to combine. I do think that they're going to be able to do a nice job, and then you've got other guys that are just really good three-point shooters that are able to come in off the bench, slash in a little bit of a diminished role like a Braden Smith, like a Chandler Baker, combining for 44% three-point shooting, combining for about 17.5 points per game. They do a nice job as well. Just so many weapons along the backcourt for this Colgate team, and I do think that they're going to be able to carve up an Auburn defense that, once again, their strength is down low. Some I total at 147. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. Colgate can certainly be out on defense, ranking outside the top 225 in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, but also willing to take the points with Colgate, and that will wrap things up. For for the Friday edition of Coast Coast Hoops, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, a big thanks to Tristan Freeman. Doing absolutely tremendous work over there at Bus and Brackets. He joined me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Coast Coast Hoops, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters, EM. Maybe it does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. 
the other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. I'm coming at you guys every single day throughout the college basketball season on this podcast. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.